Welcome to Marvelicious Toys. Hosted by Justin and his amazing friends, Arnie and Marjorie. We bring you news and reviews of Marvel toys, statues, and more. Because not all Marvel collections can be bagged and boarded. They're not just toys, they're Marvelicious. Hello and welcome to issue 11 of Marvelicious Toys. I'm Marjorie. I'm Arnie. And I'm Justin. And this is our 11th gala issue, right? I mean, we got the foil cover going, and there's going to be a variant chase cover and a remark on it at C2E2 this coming weekend. <laughs> it's going to be in red and blue. <laughs> We're going to put it in a black bag. So, you... <laughs> But if you've listened to it, oh, the collectability has gone and you've exposed it to air. <laughs> yes, this weekend, Marjorie and I will be at C2E2. And thanks to Justin's graphic design skills, we have freebies that we're going to be giving out. And there actually are variant covers to the freebies. Mm-hmm. You need to follow us on Twitter for locations of where we'll be, cool stuff that we find. We're going to be hitting the sales floor and looking at deals because Chicago conventions are always great places to find deals. And this is our first venture into C2E2. And Arnie, I don't know if you can stand being in the same building as Thor. I probably can't because... I'll be honest, I will feel about as masculine as if I've started taking estrogen pills and was preparing for my surgery. He doesn't have the hair in real life, so that takes away from his manliness. Okay, because I, I feel, to go back to a 90s reference, like a little girly mom. I know those arms, though. I want arms like that. <laughs> what would you do with them? I don't know. It smashed things. <laughs> Margie smash. Exactly. But I wouldn't wear green and purple because they don't really go. I mean, my feelings of inadequacy are just one of the 201 reasons I did not buy the Chris Helmsworth package. Which, if you are listening to this as we record it, is still available for $200. That was the other 200 reasons I did not buy the Chris Hemsworth package. It would have gotten me a personal meet and greet and an autograph, which I'll probably someday kick myself and go on, I could have had that. Look, he's going to be signing other places much cheaper than $200, I guarantee it. All it's going to take is for him to be at Comic-Con one year, and it's golden. Yeah, it just depends which way that career goes, right? He's right at the precipice. He could be the next Robert Downey Jr. He's not. Or he could be the next Jeremy Bullock. True. So we'll have to see on that one. But yes, we will be at C2E2. Follow us on Twitter and we hope to see you there. Two things I'm hoping for to find some deals on things that I just don't feel like eBaying, like the translucent vision figure. Marvel is going to be in attendance at C2E2. And if it's like C2E2 last year, where they were handing you a figure as you walked up to subscribe month to month, I'm hoping to be walking away with a Archangel X-Force variant figure for a low $9.99. But why don't we get to some figure news with our... The Spectacular Store Report. Now, Justin, you got the translucent vision. One of our listeners, Eric, got a variant that I've been hunting hard for, Black Ronin. Wow. That's one of those figures that I wasn't sure if it was real or not. That figure goes all the way back to almost the beginning of the line. When he first came out, there was rumors that there was going to be a black Ronin or a darker version of Ronin hitting pegs. And it just never happened, never happened. And here we are. Finally, it's starting to show up. So check that one off of your checklist and we can move on, you know, finally. He got a case of figures and got it right out of the case. 
But he did send a photo that shows the contrast between the two. So this is shipping now. So if you're looking for the Black Ronin, keep an eye out. I know it's been on my list, too, for quite a while. And he had checked eBay, Toy Arc, and not found this variant anywhere else. So we have a first peek at this figure. And it is visibly different. I mean, I know back when this figure started shipping, there were people who were kind of confused. Like, this one seems darker than the other <laughs> one, but there was never actually a true variant. But these two side by side, you can tell. It's... And that happens with the variants a lot. Then when you actually get them two in your hand, you're like, yeah, this is clear as day. Uh-huh. That's usually <laughs> the case. I've been afraid of that with a lot of these. Like, the lighter Fantastic Four versus the darker Fantastic Four. But when you see it, you know it. The, exactly. The one that threw me for a loop was upside down Spider-Man and right side up Spider-Man. I couldn't decide if it was a packaging variant or a color variant. And it turns out upside down was slightly darker. <laughs> so it was a little bit both. It was packaging and <laughs> color wise. Speaking of variants, there's been reports of people finding Odin over in the uh, Thor line. Or I should say Marvel's Odin, right? <laughs> um, with actually the same color scheme that it shows on the card back. So it's more of a coppery gold type of color rather than the silver that I've been seeing everywhere. So I haven't seen that one yet. I saw a picture of it. I think it looks a little better that way. And this is the chest plate that's a different color? Yeah, anything that's silver on the current Odin has a kind of a goldish copper wash over it. So, And it didn't look like the accessories were painted correctly again. So maybe that's variant number three to hold out for if you're like us and you already have the silver. Kind of hold out and wait to see for the gold with gold accessories. <laughs> Lest this be the Iron Man red triangle, blue triangle all over again. Oh, jeez. I'm going to slowly have an army of Odins for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> now, another one of our listeners reported in that his Walmart has some figures on clearance. Figures like the Submariner for eight ninety seven each. That's the clearance? Yeah. That's awesome. Big red sticker. That's a bargain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So it's not even discounted, and now you have a sticker to contend with. It looked like there was a sticker on top of a sticker in the picture, so I guess it was marked further up. They do that to trick you. I really think that Walmart puts a lot into this because they'll put a regular price sticker on it, and then they'll throw a clearance sticker over it, and you're like, wait a second, that's the price it should be before clearance? I think they do that to be tricky. Well, I was at Walmart earlier this week, and I saw some new Superhero Squad figures that I hadn't seen before. And I'm jealous. <laughs> They're actually, this is the first time I've seen Captain America in this new three-pack lineup. However, the figures I saw in this pack aren't new figures. It's the Bucky Ultimate Cap with his motorcycle and a uh, Hydra Soldier. And I'm pretty sure all, all of those have been out before. I also found new superhero squad at Toys R Us. There's a seven pack and it looks like it's mostly repack characters. You get your Hulk, your Doctor Doom, your Iron Man, your Ben Riley Spider-Man. But then there were a couple in there. I wasn't sure if they'd come out before like Volcana. She looks cool. Yeah, she's translucent <laughs> for you. I thought of you. <laughs> and so it's $22 versus 30, which the multi-packs had been before but there's no giant figure like we had before like hula hulk or frost giant it's just seven regular figures in a pack for around 21 bucks marjorie you collect superhero squad so i was letting you make the call on that and i can tell you're on the fence i was there was like just a handful of ones i liked in there and then i always go through this internal struggle where i'm like all right how many dr von dooms do i need 
Now, I, of course, have been hitting stores like a fiend, hitting Toys R Us's, trying to find some of these new variant figures, not just Vision, also the Red Miss Marvel, the Grey Hulk that's supposed to have been shipping this first quarter. And I have not found anything. And, you know, I know a lot of our listeners are in the same boat. Barrett, who enhances our podcast, he's been hunting so hard for a Thanos, a figure I only saw one time at a Target just on a random stroke of luck. And so what I did is I started a thread in the forums where we can kind of band together and help each other out because new cases are going to be shipping really soon. We got the cable and little baby hope coming and you're going to want to get cable with baby hope because they said down the line, the baby goes away. I don't know if it's a figure abortion or what's going on, (laughs) but there's not going to be a baby in nine months. So you want to get this figure. So you need to come to our forums where we're going to get together and we're going to help each other out. And anytime we find figures we know others want, anytime we see new figures, even if we don't need them, we're going to pick them up and go to the forums and sell them at cost plus shipping or trade for other figures we need and help each other out in this community. Because we've been doing that for five years with Star Wars figures and so many people have gotten so many hard to find things, even international things that you couldn't get elsewhere. And I've not found a good place to do this for Marvel figures. So I want you all to come to the Marvelicious Toys forums and be part of this. Just list what you're looking for and people there will help you. And you're thinking, well, I've never been there. Will they help me? Yes, they'll help you. I'm sounding like an <laughs> infomercial, but we will help you get your figures. For only nine ninety nine, you can have the secret to finding every figure from Arnie. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking for Build-A-Figure parts? We've got those, too. <laughs> He's not kidding, because... I've recently found a new love of my life. My second wife is named Marvel Legends. And it turns out that it has an evil mistress called Variance. And so I've got like a bunch of extra onslaught parts and things. So I'm going to be out there just trying to trade some parts around. Yeah, it's a great way to do it. You know, I mean, I know I have a bucket full of of pieces and parts from unbuilt figures that I could trade towards getting ones that I have almost finished. So, yeah, join us in those forums. It's I've been around there for years and years, and honestly, you'll never find friendlier people on the internet. And speaking of online news, why don't we go into our... Sales to Astonish! Over at Entertainment Earth, we talked a couple issues ago about the Iron Man figures being on there, and... I was really worried that the Mandarin wave is just never going to show up at retail. And so I went ahead and ordered a case. I split it with you, Justin. And (laughs) again, see, this is a problem. (laughs) I think it's money saving. Well, I also ordered the new Iron Man, the Armored Avenger first wave because the case had only one extra figure, which Justin happily took off my hands. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't know how these are going to ship. I still haven't seen any at retail. They've been shipping from Entertainment Earth for a while. And I kind of want to go through and give a review of this wave of figures. It's 11 new Iron Man and War Machine figures, all of which are just retools and repaints with some new accessories. But I'm going to preview right now. I like this wave and I like it quite a bit. I like it more than I thought I would going in even. Yeah, it's shocking to hear you say that, to be honest with you. There are 11 figures to go through. The first one is Marvel's Power Charge Armor War Machine. I don't know who else has a war machine, but this is specifically Marvel's war machine. Well, now he's been branded because Tony Stark sold out. He has a power-up glow when I squeeze his head. Oh, I like that. I wish there was a switch for that, though, because it's not realistic that you have to hold his head down all the time. 
I wish that there was just a switch you could flip, but I guess that would make it more money and everything. But He is kind of a hard figure to push the head down on, and so it's tricky to get the light to light up all the time. Maybe I just had to break him in because he's easier now than when I first got him. But when he was in the package and I was taking some photos, he did not want to light up at all. That's right. You're super strength. You had to break it in for me, didn't you? Yeah. How do, how does his joints feel? I know on the light up Iron Man, it felt like there was, you know, loosey goosey joints on that particular figure. I think his joints feel pretty good and his articulation is okay. Because of his little gauntlets, he doesn't have much in the way of wrist articulation, but he's got elbows and shoulders being your standard joints the elbows swivel as well as bend he's got the same thing he's got the ankle articulation the knee articulation with just a single knee joint and then the ball hips that also slide out it's really i think pretty good articulation especially for a light-up figure after that thor we saw that had like no articulation at all it's kind of nice to see that he also has a shoulder mounted gatlin gun and missile launcher that pop off my one complaint i have this complaint with every war machine is the little bullet chain that goes from his back into the gun barely stays in it's held in with friction and it's just it falls off all the time it's not very good for play it's tricky enough just to get to display and stand there yeah that's always hard to get in there every war machine i've ever opened it's like how the hell am i supposed to get that in that little slot he's got a lot of great detail with some numbering on his shoulders and on the side and it's just a great paint job i don't know that anything necessarily makes him exceptionally special but it is a really nice and it feels kind of movie accurate-ish war machine. Like They had some more time to get this war machine right this time. Yeah, but the only thing I wish that they could do with these light-up figures to make them even that much cooler is maybe somehow figure out how to light up his eyes, too. But Oh, that would be cool. Or his hands, because he's got the little repulsor on his hand. Yeah, it would yeah. be very nice. It's just colored way. red. Although I have a feeling that this is going to break after a while, especially since there's no good place to hold him. While you're trying to light his chest up, all you can do is really hold his waist. And if you do it while you're standing up, it makes him do the splits. And his gun, his shoulder-mounted gun, pops off. And so when you're trying to push down on the head, that shoulder gun just keeps popping off. And so, you know, it seems to be like this is for... Great idea, just poorly executed. Yeah. Yeah, I broke it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, War Machine's guns fell off again. And it doesn't stay on very well. The shoulder-mounted rockets do, but this gun just barely affixes on there right and it it, it kind of gets in the way of his head and so since you're trying to push down on his head with an adult finger it's kind of a problem still i like him as a just a good looking war machine light up feature or no light up feature very cool the next figure we've got is iron man mark 5 now you may think well i already have an iron man mark 5 or 2 because we had him in the original waves of the Iron Man 2 figures, and then he also came in that Target exclusive pack with Whiplash. Yep. This is a third version. Now, first of all, I don't know if I got a bad paint job or if this is battle-damaged paint, but there's definitely a little bit of paint missing off of him in places like his leg and his arm, and I I'm choosing to see it as battle damage. <laughs> But second, it's like they took that six-inch Walmart exclusive figure and just put it in a miniaturized package because he comes just like the other one with another hand and a briefcase. I don't like this one. I don't like the paint on it. It's just not the right color. And I don't think the silver's right. It's not 
shiny enough. It's just kind of flat and dull. It's very utilitarian, and he has a terrible paint job. You're right. I don't know if you just got a bad one or what. I've always felt like with that figure, it needs a little extra detail to it because what was so cool about that costume is the way that it kind of grew over him and all the little bits and pieces. You could see through the cracks there, and it should be darker under that silver, you know? But mm-hmm. with, the, with this figure, it seems like just a two-color figure, and, and it is it is just another repaint of that same figure. They did not take the arc reactor and turn it around the right way. It's still upside down. But, you know, I compared it to the other two Mark Fives, and you should be able to see that picture in the gallery. I took all three next to each other. Yeah, I was looking at that. And it does seem to be the best of the three. If you only have one Mark V, I would go with this one because he's got the more movie-accurate red hands, and he's got the best silver of the three. It's still not great. Doesn't the suitcase turn into the suit? It does. So why he's holding the suitcase? Yeah, that's kind of a weird accessory because, well, maybe it's got his businessman (laughs) stuff in it. I'm thinking it has the Stark quarterly reports. Could be. (laughs) But it seems like Tony Stark would carry those like on a chip that was invisible. You know, you can actually get a replica briefcase of this. It's yes. about $450, and it's a real usable briefcase. To keep your manly businessman stuff in. Keep your quarterly reports. It's the best Mark V to date. My Mark V is one of my favorite armors. That said, this figure kind of leaves me cold. It does not have much in the way of articulation. It's pretty standard articulation. And the fact that the paint does p- appear to be missing in a lot of places, that uh, it kind of bums me out a little. One of the things that's bothered me about that sculpt beyond the arc reactor is the way the head fits on the neck post. It seems like he's always looking a little bit too far down. A lot of these figures in this wave have that exact problem. But yeah, they're always looking like they dropped something. (laughs) Nobody move. I dropped my Iron Man contacts. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the third one is Reactor Shift Iron Man. Reactor what? Shift? Shift. Okay. (laughs) Did you think he went the other way? (laughs) Those were some nachos, let me tell you. <laughs> now, this is an Iron Man that appears to be missing his chest plate, but don't worry, he comes with two. He comes with either triangle Mark Six chest plate or circular Mark Three slash four chest plate. Okay, but none of those reds are the same, and the rest of him is going to stay the same red. So you're just going to have, like, ghetto Iron Man. Pretty much, in fact, the chest plate does not even fully cover the silver area, so it just looks like really bad <laughs> Iron Man. Oh, boo. Sorry. <laughs> Darn it, I was looking forward to that figure. Yeah, there's just a, too much silver visible in the side of the chest plate here. And again, it looks like a bit of a paint error, as I've got some red paint on his shin. Like, oh, he got sloppy. I don't understand really the need for this figure. I, I don't know why I need to be able to change out the chest plates. What I already have a whole bunch of Mark V and Mark VI figures. So yeah, again, this one, not so good. So you're wondering, Arnie, you said you like this wave. Why? But so far you've got one good figure and two meh figures. But let's get to the next one. This is figure 44. All of these figures have been continuing the numbers from the Iron Man 2 line, even though this is the Iron Man Armored Avenger. We started at 41. This is figure 44. On a previous podcast, we said we thought this was Whiplash, just looking at a picture. It turns out it is not Whiplash, but it is a hammer drone. Mm-hmm. It's the same type of body we saw on the previous hammer drones with the fold-down arm areas. 
and he's got whips or knives that will fit into a little notch under his arms so that he can have his weapon. Ready. I thought he had zip strips. Yeah, the whips do look a little bit like And they're strips. limp. He's got a limp whip. <laughs> I love that band. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you don't like that, you can go with the more cutting type knives that look like something we might see Danny Trejo carrying in a movie. But let me tell you what I love about this figure is his articulation. His joints feel a little bit loose, but this guy is articulated and balanced so well. You can pose him almost any way and he will stand. He's got nice, thick, sturdy legs and thick, sturdy feet. That's the one thing I like about some of the Iron Man figures is their feet are larger than the normal action figure. So it gives them a little bit more sturdy of a base and their hip joints are usually tight, but their knees are a little loosey-goosey in the articulation. But it kind of works. I don't have too many problems with the Iron Man falling over, even with their crazy guns. I was able to pose this one a bunch of different ways with his whips, with his knives. You know what? Nice touch. Oh, I think a gun just fell off. There it did. It says hammer on the top of his little arm things. Hammer. Yeah, there's a nice lot of touch. detail in this paint app. Yeah, for a repaint with a new head, I'm really digging the new head on there. That's cool. And all the little warning stripes and all that all over the body. It's cool. Are they calling it a concept drone? It does not say any series on these new cards anymore. Well, not in the concept series, but like a concept as in it was a concept from the movie inside the movie. I thought that's what I had heard this one was called. But All it says on the back is that it's a hammer drone uh, stolen from Stark. And a big challenge for Iron Man. Huh. So it doesn't really say if it's a concept or if it's, you know, I don't, this guy wasn't in the movie, but I like this figure. He's a fun figure. He has Marvel Legends level of articulation here. Nice. Even Hasbro isn't going to really call it saws. On the back of the card, it says snap in whips and saws and saws is in quotations. <laughs> so <laughs> they're not, they're not going to fully commit to those being saws. I don't understand what's with the fold-down arm panels. That's the only thing I don't get. I, I But the other drone had it, too. But I, I don't understand why it has arm flaps. Yeah, maybe it's just more military-ish. Seems more like a tank. But yeah, I like him. I like the little decals or what small paint on him. This figure is just a lot of fun. He's really articulated in a lot of different ways. I can have him, you know, standing with one foot on my laptop and one foot on the table. The ankles bend in such a way that he'll balance just about any way. He's got swivel hips, just all around a really good figure. And he's also got some chest articulation going on. Yeah, I mean, if you're the type of person who liked all the other drones, I can't see having any problem with this one. The next figure, figure 45, I expected to hate. I really did. This is Sonic Storm Armor Iron Man. And I'm like, okay, we always say Tony Stark needs an outfit for every occasion. He's feeling a little purple today. It's his Prince outfit. He was just in Minneapolis. <laughs> this one comes with a giant play feature accessory of... Uh, missile launcher that snaps onto his arm and there goes that missile across the room but up close there's a lot of things to like about this figure once you take away the st silly play accessory and throw it into the galactus box of accessories to never be seen again <laughs> first of all justin it's translucent yeah dark translucent plastic how cool is that <laughs> The other thing is, I really like the paint app on the arc reactor on it, because they kind of took the paint out of just the circle and let it kind of flow onto the body in an artistic way. 
His legs are too loose. He does have very loose joints. I will I will agree with that, especially in the hips. No, yeah, that I totally appreciate the way that they did the arc reactor on that one. So it has like a glow to it. Just mm-hmm. looking at the pictures, I almost thought it was a light up figure. But now that you look closer, it's it's all paint apps to do that. The joints could be a little bit better with the pegs in them. But really, overall, as far as Iron Man of another color, they did well here. If they hadn't gone translucent, if they hadn't given the arc reactor, I would easily say this is a skippable figure. But as it is, of the we're just painting Iron Man a different color, this is one of the better ones. Next up is Storm Surge Armor Iron Man. Now, I guess this storm is a flood because didn't we previously see this as like underwater Iron Man? Yeah, that was the deep dive armor Iron Man. But here it is in the more classic red and gold colors. Again, a figure like Marjorie was talking about with the big feet, a lot of articulation to this figure. I I just I maybe I didn't play with deep dive armor Iron Man enough, but this figure has articulated shoulders, elbows, chest, swivel hips. The only problem I had is his leg did pop out on me once already, and it looks like it's about to again. Oh, <laughs> No, yeah, I've always appreciated the sculpt, even when it was, you know, first release as the deep dive armor. I mean, if you're going to do a concept series of figures, do something like this, a completely different sculpt. There's not one reused part on this figure from any other figure. You know, it's got a completely unique head. Everything right down to the shins are 100% unique to this figure. So kudos for actually coming up with a concept of a figure that isn't overly Iron Man with just this or that on him. I don't like his big calf boots. It makes the figure just not very sleek. And one of the neat things about Iron Man is he's, like, super sleek. And I really think that Tony Stark is a genius, and he would be able to design something more energy-efficient and streamlined. He's, I don't like that one so much. It looks like a lightsaber. Well, it's a gun that shoots a projectile. Oh, projectiles are fun. Yes, it comes with another play feature accessory. Just like the other line, all of the play features are in accessories that you can... If you're Justin, put in the garbage. If you're me, put in a big Galactus box. To never be seen again. To never be seen again. I don't know. I like the paint on this one, though. I like that they put a couple blue dots at the end of the fist for, like, the repulsor fire. I'm not a huge fan of the deep sea dive one. I like this one a lot better, though. And the articulation and the posability with him is seemingly endless. Another Iron Man repaint. This one's kind of a lame repaint, but I, I like him. It's figure one of the new series now. I don't know why they didn't just do all of these since it's in the new cards with the new numbering. This is Iron Man Shield Breaker Armor, otherwise known as Protocol Droid Iron Man. Yeah, he is C-3PO. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> if you're looking as an excuse to buy some Iron Man figures to round out, say, a Star Wars diorama, if you're one of our listeners from Star Wars Action News coming over here, this is definitely one that would fit in well in the Star Wars universe with this paint scheme. Reminds me of a Betty droid. But it is a repaint of our Mark IV armor in a greenish gold color. It kind of works for me, though. I'm glad they didn't use the Mark V armor for it. And it does look more Star Warsy than Iron Man. But I have a question. And I obviously don't read the Iron Man comics. I saw the movies, really like the first one. What is with his constant color changing? Well, you see, Hasbro is a toy company that can sell Got us it. more right. figures. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have a Hello Kitty one yet? <laughs> Don't give them ideas. Now, he has the silliest action features of them all, though, in that he has giant purple shields and a gun that shoots a purple shield. I don't know what why- the hell is that. <laughs> 
it's this he's hiding his shame he didn't want to wear that outfit that day and he's like nobody look at me i'm hideous <laughs> it is a repaint and on the one hand it's like if you've had enough of iron man this one's not going to turn you around but just looking at him i like the metallic color that they used on this it works for me more in person than it ever did on the online pictures Another one, we got another war machine. This one is artillery armor war machine. This one, all right, maybe the worst figure of the wave <laughs> because he has two big shoulder guns, which are the play features. He has no other guns, so you are stuck with either no gun war machine or BFG war machine, and he's purple too. I don't like the, he's not symmetrical. He's really light compared to the others. They really made these guns light and made his body light to compensate for the guns. He feels so much different than the others. This one, nowhere near as cool as the other War Machine. It seems to be a very similar sculpt, a lot of the same parts, but the detail just isn't there. There's not the numbering. It, it just, it's far more of a comic book War Machine. Not a huge fan of this, but again, well-articulated, easy to stand. The next figure, which I'm sure is up your alley, figure three, Inferno Armor Iron Man, completely translucent with some gold paint. <laughs> See, I don't know. That one might might break me. I mean, look at that. That that almost feels like a Happy Meal toy. <laughs> There's something to be said about too translucent, and that one might be it. But take a look at the face. I think he's got a really good face on him. And the gold paint that they used, I, I didn't feel Happy Meal toy. It feels very orange. It's almost like lava. It, if you ever played with Inhumanoids, it reminds me of like the lava creature from that toy line. But I never thought Happy Meal toy on him. I can see it now with the red and yellow. You've, you've just ruined him for me. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Hey, I make fun of him now, but the first time I see him on the shelf, you know he's coming home with me. <laughs> and again, they kind of did the glowy thing with the arc reactor where the paint spreads out from the middle. Yeah. And I think maybe it is just the two-color paint that is getting me that makes it feel a little cheaper. They could have added one more color somewhere just to break it up. But it also looks like he dipped his hands into a bucket of gold paint. <laughs> I don't like this. It looks like candy. I want to eat him up. It's gummy Iron Man. He looks like a Jolly Rancher. (laughs) He has the same kind of weird red translucence of a Jolly Rancher. And I don't like the gold. So we will call that Happy Meal Iron Man. Well, and in addition to continue the translucence, his accessories, his play feature accessories are also translucent. He has a big helmet with a rocket pack that fits over his head or is supposed to. It's really tight, and I feel like I'm going to damage the figure and scrape it up by putting this thing on it. And it has flip-up panels that just look silly. That is kind of ridiculous. (laughs) And then he has yet another, you know, I think the arm-mounted cannon is this wave's swoosh of funnel. (laughs) (laughs) Because it has yet another projectile firing spring-loaded rocket launcher, but it's translucent. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah, this one feels like a deluxe figure, except it doesn't shoot anything directly off of the piece that you put on for the deluxe figure. Not sure how I feel about this guy. It reminds me a lot of that deluxe translucent one they had. But, you know, knowing he's translucent, I I like the gold on him. The red translucent, hmm, he is one that's going to go at the back of the Hall of Armor I'm setting up on my display stand. (laughs) He may look cool on one of those light-up stands. And then our final figure is Subterranean Armor Iron Man. He digs in the ground? Yes. Okay. (laughs) The vast caves that run throughout the planet hold untold dangers. This armor... 
was built to tunnel directly to where the danger is greatest and stop whatever lurks there before it reaches the surface. So he's fighting Mole Man. I'm sorry. I know. Here's the thing. Tony Stark's just going to go, no, I'm not going to do that. Solve it yourself. Come to me when you've got a better option. I'm not going underground. <laughs> I, I'm not seeing this. Now, this head kind of reminds me of one of the previous Hulkbuster heads we had. Is this body a reuse, Justin? Well, you know what? I'm confused now. Isn't this the, isn't that the exact same thing as the other one we were talking about? The deep dive and the... The one that Marjorie didn't like with the gold boots? Why, yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's just a repaint of that one, I thought. It's a repaint of deep dive armor. You are completely right. Well, I didn't realize that was two different figures until you held that up. I'm like, whoa, did we talk about that one already? Which is why I love the articulation again and love all of the features. <laughs> oh, it is the same. I don't like that one's beady eyes either. I, I don't know. I'm kind of, I, I like it better in red and gold than in mauve, but. This one also has a really silly accessory, and this is why I didn't realize it was the exact same body. The accessory with this one is heavy removable armor with blade attack. It's another big piece that slides down over his head and feels like I'm going to scratch the figure. But it has two big buzz saws at the end, so at least it's unique in that fashion, right? <laughs> well, if he's going to be digging the channel, he's going to need blades. Okay, yeah. <laughs> now, what's odd is they are hinged together and spring-loaded. So when you put it on him, it's either in full up mode where it looks really silly, like he's he about to hold a sign that says he's available now to do your taxes and stand on a street corner, or it locks down, but then it's straightforward. I thought this would be the one play accessory I might display because I like the buzzsaw look. But you can't move it left or right. If they were swiveled or ball jointed where I could put these blades out side to side and make it look like it's something. But they are locked together. And then just the very tips have a little bit of a ball joint allowing some movement, but not much. And if you try to move it too much, oops, it fell out again. Hmm. I thought it would be the one play feature accessory to escape the box of doom. Wait, where does that go again? You, you shove it over his head. And how does he operate it then? So this is, I would not want those near my this head. This is what he looks like with it in the straight up position. Okay. And then it, you push it down and somehow it's supposed to stare it locked down and now it's just kind of... Hmm. I'm sorry, but I think Tony Stark would not invent something so clunky. I just wish they'd go out to the side. You yeah, know? so you could swing And them. I wish they weren't jointed together so I could have one up and one down or have yeah. them at different levels. If they weren't spring-loaded, if this was just a joint, it would be so much better. There's not even a button to release the spring load. It's not like the spring does anything. It just makes it not posable. <laughs> I feel like they had the accessory before they had the idea. Like this might have been like, you know, like deforestation Iron Man or something. <laughs> Maybe that's coming in the next wave. This exact figure with this exact accessory, only he's camo green. <laughs> Overall, though, because of the articulation that comes with these and especially that hammer drone and the subterranean armor and storm surge armor, which are the same figure, just in different paint. I'm liking this wave. I'm having fun with this wave. Taking pictures of these was a lot of fun. I was able to get them in all kinds of different poses. And I even got one to do the splits. It looked like if he had a couple of pom poms, he was a cheerleader. <laughs> You know, I'm still going to put myself as lukewarm on them, but I know saying that the minute I see them on the shelves at the store, I'm sure more than half of them will be on the way home with me. 
it's hard to get excited about more Iron Man. But with that said, you know, that drone is pretty sweet. This drone, again, I've said it on before, I don't army build for Marvel. But, man, this drone, if I ever saw him alone on pegs, I'd be tempted to get another one. Not not to the least because I have two of every other drone thanks to that Target pack and that Toys R Us pack. And then I picked up a couple others. <laughs> right now, these are not showing up in stores. You can get this whole case from Entertainment Earth. You do get one spare figure with that. The quick change, the change. Oh, is that the one it was? I feel so bad now. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Oh, it looks like they are now out of stock, but they did come with one extra quick change Iron Man, which, Justin, you will be getting. And unfortunately, it's it's the one figure that I don't even think looks good for display purposes. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I get punished. Whatever. I don't know why they don't have this one with a light-up feature. Because if you had the removable chest armor, but it had, like, a different color in it, so you'd push the head, and one would light up orange, and one would light up blue or something, then I'd feel better about it. But I think these should hit stores, but, again, distribution's been weird lately. If the Armored Avenger line does stock, these will be the ones you see, though. And I definitely say, if you like the subterranean armor but didn't like the color get one of these others and get that drone yeah but yeah my only concern with them showing up at retail right now is if you still go look all the pegs are stocked to the brim with the existing iron man 2 figures so unless they put those on clearance these may not show up at retail for a while what do you think of the new card i like where they're going with bring them all under the avengers line and i do i appreciate the extra blue in there it kind of livens it up a little bit so I think that one next to Thor and then eventually next to Captain America, I think it makes a nice product line. I would like to see an Avengers assemble more of that logo because I love that logo. Yeah, that is a very cool logo. And it's even bigger on those Iron Man 6-inch figures we talked about last week. Yeah. It's nice. And- if I were ever to get a Marvel tattoo, that's something I would consider. Ooh. Well, next time you're at the store, check out the uh, Superhero Squad one because they actually have that same logo, <gasps> but the characters inside there are Superhero Squad. Oh. <laughs> I know, I got some snazzy new Thor ones, and I'm in love with the Thor superhero squad guy. The movie-themed Thor ones. I didn't even notice that Avengers Assemble. There they are! That's really cute, I didn't even notice that. That's adorable. <laughs> the only thing I would not like about this Armored Avenger card is it looks so much like the other, the animated style Iron Man figures. Oh, I can see that, I can see that, but those are going away. You know, I think I'm looking at it more as a a complete product line right now. You're going to have Thor, Iron Man, and Captain America eventually all sitting next to each other. And I think that'll be kind of cool looking, actually. Yeah. I hope that they continue to branch out this line a little more and use it as a chance to get, say, a comic-accurate Mandarin versus that blasphemous figure we got. Or perhaps some removable helmet figures so we can get our Tony Stark and such, so we can see our Robert Downey Jr. and our Don Cheadle. And perhaps even, dare I say, a Pepper Potts. I think we need that. Yeah, there isn't a Pepper figure, is there? There's not even a Tony Stark figure. How can we not have Tony Stark in business suit? Because no kid is clamoring for some guy in an Armani suit. <laughs> well, we still don't have Whiplash or Black Widow in that line. We have Whiplash. Not Whiplash, Final Battle Whiplash. We have Whiplash at the track. We still need the drone Whiplash from the Final Battle when he's just in the drone thing. And that head on that concept drone almost looks like it. But it needs to be bigger and have like the half cape thing at the butt. 
Yeah, I, I really think that there are some missed opportunities in that line so far. And I can't believe that they have really held to it. And the only place to get your Nick Fury is in that Toys R Us pack. How, Nick Fury rocks. Yeah, not to mention two of the four drones are in exclusive packs that need to be put on individual cards eventually, too, for people to be able to army build with them. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity for this line. They said we're going to see about 20 figures out of it this year, didn't they? Yeah, it sounded like about 20 figures per movie line. So a total of 60-ish. And here we have 11 of them. So this is probably half our Iron Man for the year, if they're counting these. These do all have copyright 2010 on them, but I bet this is about half of our Iron Man output. Which is okay by me. (laughs) Still, (laughs) it was a wave that I didn't expect to like as much as I did. And opening them up and just getting them out, if I were mint on card, I'd be kind of yawning. But getting them out and playing with their articulation and everything... I became enamored with the articulation here, and it's made me, in retrospect, like some of the older figures better now that I know. Well, as we heard at Toy Fair, Hasbro has no plans of making any X-Men first-class actual movie figures, but that doesn't mean there's not going to be collectibles for that movie. Turns out Minimates is going to make a line devoted to just those. So if you want to check out some pictures of the figures they've got coming out in that wave, head on over to comicbookmovie.com, and they've got great pictures of the entire wave, and it looks like... It's a full wave of eight figures, and it's, you know, if you know Minimates, you know how they are. They're basically the same body, same heads with painted details and sculpted hair and all that stuff. But some of them seem to be in their X-Men team uniform. Looks like you've got a Mystique and a Cyclops. I'm already disappointed to know Mystique wears clothes in this. That's wrong. Having seen the previous X-Men movies, this is not my Mystique. You're going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah, if John Stamos can get over it, I think we can get over it. He was a winner in that, okay? He emerged winner. (laughs) By winning. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, head over there and check out the pictures of it if you're into Minimates. I have a small collection of Minimates. These aren't anything surprising. It's exactly what you expect from the Minimate line. My only problem with Minimates is, first of all, I have to have that beast. He's really cute. But I don't think they're as well made as Kubrick's. They're very cheap and they fall apart. I have a original Cylon. I'm not I'm saying it's original from 80s. I'm saying it's the old school Cylon. And he falls apart all the time. I'm always putting legs back on and arms back on. He can't stand up. To be honest, I tried to take photographs of the Iron Man Mini Mate pack that you got at San Diego Comic-Con a couple years ago that was an exclusive. Mm-hmm. And all it did was frustrate the hell out of me. Yeah. Because there's like different faces and different heads and different parts. And it felt like I needed an engineering license to figure out how to play with these toys and that I was going to lose parts everywhere. And I just was like, I tried to take pictures of every combination until I realized I was looking at an infinite line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, there's eight heads on eight bodies. That's 64 combinations. And then there's a mask that can go on all of them. That's 128 just from this. It's like, oh my God, I don't want this. And the heads were popping off in my hand. It really soured me on the whole Minimate experience. Yeah, they just don't, I don't think they're as well made. And yeah, they're a little cheaper, I guess. And they're not blind boxed, but I want my toys not to fall apart. That said, I really regret passing on Lockjaw when I saw him at Toys R Us, the Inhuman, the dog. Oh, yeah, he was kind of cute, wasn't he? I mean, keep in mind, these are these are obviously aimed at collectors, you know, so this is generally they come in two packs. So you get one character that people might have heard of and a character that you've never heard of, which is, you know, kind of like the comic line that Hasbro does where they can get a good arcane character in there for you. 
Now, over at Marvelicious Toys sponsor Backstage Toys, they have some of the Thor movie figures that you've been mentioning, as well as the Thor Superhero Squad 3-packs. And if you're looking for some of the repaints, Warpath in Striking Red, Miss Marvel also in Striking Red, Daredevil in Darker Striking Red, uh, Burgundy, (laughs) shall we say? They are all available right now at Backstage Toys. They've also got, speaking of mini-mates, they've got mini-mates at Backstage Toys. You can get Cannonball and Shatterstar Series 9, and then they've also got Magic and Warlock. I guess that's a little Charlie Sheen one. Warlock. (laughs) It comes with tiger blood. Yeah, little tiger blood, little bottle. Got poetry (laughs) in his claw hand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And make sure that you mention our discount code of... B as in boy, C as in cat, S, A, V as in Victor, and E as in Edward, 10. You get 10% off your order. Very cool. And we thank Backstage Toys for their support of Marvelicious Toys. Now, I emailed you guys earlier this week because Most Wanted Collectibles revealed a new Kotobukiya statue that was apparently at Toy Fair at the very tail end, so we didn't get to see it in person, but man is it sweet. It is Warpath Fine Art Statue. Oh, man. <laughs> I mentioned it before. Kodo's going to start getting quite a bit of my money. They just keep tempting me. You Everything just they start don't showing. don't need to go down that path. I know. Here's the problem. Is there just, if you get them on the aftermarket sometimes, they're just enough affordable where you can buy multiples. But right now at Most Wanted, it's still affordable enough because they're offering 20% off if you pre-order right now. It's $159.99 versus an MSRP of 200 That's a great price. That is a great price. These fine art statues are so massive, and I'm sure that this is going to be like the Colossus and the Hulk. It's just going to be a really big piece. Yeah. It's one six scale. It's over a foot tall, and it's cold cast resin, so it's going to be nice and heavy like you like an expensive collectible to be. And I think a lot of people are scared off by Kodo because they think it's just plastic vinyl put together kits, but they are so much more than that. You know, I would so be all over this. If I was a Warpath guy, I like Warpath. I like my Marvel Legends figure of him. I like my Marvel Universe figures. But there's so many of these great fine art statues. I got to be a little pickier on my characters. And while I love the dynamic pose and I love the sculpt, I just don't love the character enough to do it. So I'm holding off on this. But if you are a Warpath fan and you want it, please use coupon code R as in Rogue, P as in Peter, E as in Electro, M as in Magneto, Five H is in Hobgoblin, nine N as in Nightcrawler to get free shipping off your first order with the code and it helps support Marvelicious Toys. Well, we've been talking about a Revoltech Iron Man since almost episode or issue one. And what we've seen of it is, you know, it's the Japanese six inch, super articulated, just kick ass Iron Man figure. Well, the one we've been seeing pictures of has been the Mark Six. Well, now it's been announced that there's going to be an exclusive version of this. And it's going to be the Mark IV. And what that means is it's going to be about $20 more expensive (laughs) to get this one than it is to get the regular one. Now, these these haven't started shipping yet. I know there's people on eBay who say they have them in hand, but that's over in Hong Kong and overseas. But I haven't seen anything on this side of the pond yet. But over at Big Bad Toy Store, they have it available for pre-order. And they've got it for a pretty decent price as far as what's going on out there elsewhere at $62.99. So if you're into that Mark IV rather than the Mark VI, 
I'd head over there. That's going to be the hot one and probably pretty hard to find once the initial shipment comes out. But now let's see what you are finding with our kick-ass callers. Hey guys, it's Scott from Tulsa. I call and let you know what I'm turning around and seeing on the pegs after looking at the Star Wars stuff, which is pretty much Saga Legends and a bunch of miscellaneous garbage that none of these listeners care about. The Marvel Universe uh, figures are just clogging the pegs now with brand new ones. I've got translucent visions. I've got Black Widows. I've got Daredevils. I've got Green Hulks, Red Hulks, Grey Hulks, Havocs, uh, the Constrictor, which has a silver foil card, which as a runner-up for a fan's, place, fan's choice figure, I'm not sure what that was all about, but uh, Bucky's, Captain Britain's, Iron Man, some gold guy with a little mini guy with him too, just all kinds of brand new figures, which is neat to see. Still at the $8 price point, which it's hard to just kind of buy cool figures at $8 when you're not a total avid collector of the Marvel figures. But I did like that Grey Hulk, so I went ahead and picked him up to add him to my World at War Green Hulk. Hope you guys are doing great. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for the call, Scott. Those repaints are out there. You know, you're lucky to have found them. With what I've seen, it's a blink and you miss it on these types of things. They're out there. People are finding them. But you've got to be there pretty much when they're opening that case to get them. Yes. Hi, Henry Marjorie. It's Robert Darth Akari calling in. Actually, not for Star Wars Action News or Republic Forces Radio Network, but actually for Marvelicious. Um, <laughs> just figured to let you know that it's my uh, store... We got our first cases of Thor toys in today, so they're going to be showing up at your local Walmart. So I think there's some type of a release date, but I have no idea exactly how hard we're going to be, you know, restricting that because sometimes they don't pay too much attention. But uh, even if you just kind of want to take a look at them, they should be showing up in most stores right around the same time. So good luck out there. Talk to you later. Bye. Good find. My Walmart, no Thor. No, I didn't even see a space for them to put it, and they've really pulled back their Marvel Universe figures as it is. It's all Iron Man 2 still. Well, they're coming. I mean, I've seen it at quite a few different Walmarts. Some have them, some don't. Some have bare pegs waiting for them. Some have just out the superhero squad, but they're coming. They're coming out there. Another thing I've noticed at Walmart, while we're talking about finding things at Walmart, is the Iron Man figures have a nice dollar-off coupon on them right now. So they're trying to move out those Iron Man figures to make room for, the, I believe, the Armored Avenger line coming pretty, pretty quick. I hope so. Daddy wants more hammer drones. <laughs> All right, then. So if you have a Marvel toy you'd like to review or a store find or an online find, give us a call at 803-MARVEL-4. That's 803-MARVEL-4, and your call may be played on the air. If Justin and I can walk away from playing Marvel vs. Capcom 3 long enough. <laughs> Somebody's better than somebody else. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Are you better than Arnie? We'll reveal who it is at the end of the review. <laughs> <laughs> So for those of you who haven't heard or aren't gamers, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is the continuation of Capcom's Marvel Universe fighting game series with the last installment, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, being about a decade old, coming out for Dreamcast in 2000, before also being released on the PS2 and Xbox. 
Marvel vs. Capcom 3, despite its title, is actually the seventh game in Capcom's Marvel Fighting series, a series that started in 1994 when Street Fighter 2 and Mortal Kombat were really just coming off the peak of popularity. Capcom, makers of the Street Fighter series, put out an arcade game called X-Men Children of the Atom, a Street Fighter 2 type game where you could play as a number of classic X-Men characters in a fighting game. In the 17 years since then, the games have grown and now characters from all the Marvel Universe as well as Capcom's rich library of video game characters have come to the arena to battle in what basically is just an evolutionary step in fighting games that started way back with Street Fighter 2. If you've played Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, then Marvel vs. Capcom 3 will be very familiar to you right off the bat in that you have characters on screen beating on each other until the opponent's health meter falls to zero. However, in most of the Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter games, you fight multiple rounds and the winner of the best two out of three rounds wins the match. In Marvel vs. Capcom 3, like in Part 2, you fight one round, but with three characters on each side. This not only allows the player to strategize and pull out characters with low health before they're taken out, but it also allows special tag team and combo attacks. While fighting as Spider-Man, you can push a button and have teammate Wolverine come in to take a couple of pot shots at your opponent before he retreats again to the rafters. This allows for a very fast-paced video game, which is an onslaught of lights and sounds, characters popping on and off the screen very rapidly, and at first it can be quite overwhelming. But the moves are again familiar to anyone who's played Street Fighter 2 or later. The same roll and button combos are there to do your special moves, and for younger gamers or gamers not familiar with fighting games, there is a simple mode that allows combos to be launched easily, giving newer players a leg up when battling old pros. When released, Marvel vs. Capcom 3 opened at number 1 on the PS3 video game charts and number 2 on the Xbox 360 video game charts, losing out to Call of Duty Black Ops. Oh yeah, it felt like it was 1995 all over again. Let me ask you this, their week of release, there was all kinds of special deals going on, you know, depending on where you got it. I know Target was giving away a free Marvel Universe figure with purchase, and Toys R Us was doing a $15 gift card. Where did, where did you get yours? I got mine right from Capcom.com, because I wanted the collector's edition, and I didn't realize that I would have trouble just walking into a store day of and getting it, and actually I was waiting till week of to find out if someplace would have downloadable characters set, you know, GameStop often offers those, or maybe an exclusive figure. Target ended up offering a free figure, just one of their peg rumors, but still, mm -hmm. any figure you want that they had, which, you know, it could be, if you were lucky, one of the new repaints, but probably was Spider-Man hanging upside down from Wave 2. Most likely, yeah. And most of the stores, including GameStop, I went into GameStop to place my pre-order, and they're like, we're no longer taking pre-orders for those. And I had to hit every contact I had. I posted to our Facebook page. I was kind of in a bind. And one of our listeners pointed out Capcom.com was still taking the orders. And by ordering from Capcom.com, I got a free t-shirt. Well, that's cool. And it was featuring the character Shuma Gorath. Now, those are available to download for pay if you just bought the regular edition, but they came with the collector's edition. And I know there was a little bit of an outcry because... People were like, I bought the collector's edition and now you're making this available for everybody. Why did I bother getting the collector's edition? Well, it did come with a steel book case and some other niftiness. Yeah, I mean, I've actually seen that version around more often than the regular version. I wasn't sure where I was going to get mine. I, you know, I thought maybe Target, in a way I could save eight bucks that I'm going to end up spending on a Marvel Universe figure anyway. But went to all the Targets around me, 
and none of them had, like you said, any figures worth picking up. So I started to notice during the middle of the day that a lot of the targets were running out of these games. I don't know how many they stock for a day of release type of thing, but I was surprised to see how fast they were going through this game. It's a pretty popular title, I'm guessing. I ended up going just over to Toys R Us and picking up there and getting the $15 gift card just for the regular version. But I can still run around now and find that collector's edition on the shelf pretty much anywhere. So maybe it's the higher price point that people shy away from on that. Well, places weren't taking pre-orders. I was told that if I went in the day of, I might be able to get it. I ended up not wanting to risk that, so I placed my pre-order. Our target has plenty of the regular edition and sold out the collector's edition before noon on the day of release. Mm. I haven't checked any other stores because I had my pre-order in. Now, I did kind of get a little hosed ordering from Capcom.com. You'd think that being Capcom, they would make it so that you got it pretty close to release. I didn't get mine until the Friday after release, and some people didn't get theirs until almost a week and a half after release, even though they pre-ordered months in advance. Whoa. you think they'd use Amazon or something to make sure those get out the day of. Yeah, and they did post on their Facebook page that they've heard our cries of suffering, and they're going to do something to make it right. We don't know what, but they're going to do something to make it right. They'll make sure that they get you Marvel vs. Capcom 4 in 15 years on the day of. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what about the game? What do you think? You know, I gotta say, now, normally when I review a game, I'm a purist, and I feel like I have to beat that game before I can review it. And in the case of a fighting game like this, I'd have to feel like I'd beat it with at least most of the characters before I review it. But because of the hype of this game, I'm gonna break my rule. I haven't even been able to beat Galactus once yet. I'm in the same boat. I sat here and tried five times in a row with the same team nothing happening so i tried with other guys kept going and it was about an hour going back and forth trying to get it i got so close so many times i got that little meter down to just about done and got so frustrated and right about then my my son tyler walked in and he was like well let me try it I'm like okay here we go he did it on his first try <laughs> i'm t- i never felt like such an old man playing a video game in such a long time <laughs> Yeah, I might have been his choice of characters. You know, I, I was kind of some of the closer fighters. I was using Wolverine and Hulk and that type of thing. And, and he got some of the guys that were more the shooters. You know, he was using Deadpool and some of the Capcom guys I'm not completely familiar with that use more guns to fight than than the close fighting type of styles. But yeah, he, he walked right up and beat down Galactus. I have played this quite a bit, both online against random opponents and in person, just in my cage match. (laughs) I've heard some complaints online that there aren't enough characters. I, I don't know that I feel that way. I mean, we've got 38 different characters counting the two that came with the downloadable content. Yeah, and the unlockable ones that you unlock pretty early on just by fighting through, you know? There's quite a bit of choices in here, you know? Now, as one might expect from Marvelicious Toys, I tend to kind of lean more heavily on the Marvel characters because I know them all. I was a big Street Fighter guy, and I, I consider myself a pretty big gamer, but during, I guess, what Capcom is considering their golden age of the 90s, I was primarily a PC gamer, not so much a console gamer. So when I see Ryu or Chun-Li, I'm like, oh yeah, I I know them because I played Street Fighter 2 back on the Super Nintendo. And when I see Arthur, I'm like, oh god, I remember Ghosts and Goblins on the NES. But like this Dante or the Boobalicious chick, 
Yeah, and Spencer, I'm I'm not I'm yeah, same boat as you. I'm not completely familiar with a lot of those, but you know what? what is, I know they already had two Street Fighter people in there. Wouldn't it have been cool to have Blanca in there? You know, as a nice counterpoint to the Hulk or with the other big guys. But I know there's a there's quite a fan base out there, and I know some people are upset that they didn't actually have Mega Man in the game. But apparently, it's uh, one of the characters from Mega Man who's very similar to Mega Man. So I don't know if that might be splitting hairs a little bit too finely for my taste. I also I know Jill Valentine. I'm a big fan of Resident Evil. I didn't recognize her though, you know, because when I played Resident Evil, it was on a PS1. She didn't look anything like this. <laughs> yeah, and I know my son was quite upset that uh, the dude from Dead Rising wasn't in there. Can't quite remember his name right now, but he thought that that would have been one of the characters in there but by the same token there's some characters in here that i don't even know what to do with when they show up like amaterasu who is like this wolf how how do you fight a wolf (laughs) yeah (laughs) well that brings up the point that with this game it's yeah it's a button masher but it also has all the moves for the guys who grew up playing street fighter and that type of thing so if you know those moves you can still use them Mm -hmm. but somebody who's never played before can sit down and give you a good run for your money and this is the first time i've ever played a game with my six-year-old daughter and not had to back off because she actually was able to beat me a few times just because she was hitting buttons and that's you know, for a hardcore gamer, that might be kind of sacrilegious, but to me, I thought that was kind of cool. It's like, you know, it is about mashing buttons and getting lucky every once in a while. But she she was that dog quite a bit, and that <laughs> dog is hard to fight. <laughs> I have trouble anytime the dog shows up because he just he's so low, and I have to always, I, I'm fighting low against him. But you say it's a button measure. Did you try the beginner's mode? Because this has something new for people who don't know all of those modes where you can just mash buttons and get a lot of their super moves going, too. Yeah, and that's, I, yeah, I should bring that up, too. I was playing in normal mode, and my daughter was playing in simple mode, so she was able to, you know, make those special things happen just with the touch of a button where on normal mode, you actually kind of have to know what, what you're doing a little bit to get that happening. But it's, it's a nice equalizer for those two different gamers on the spectrum there you know my thing is i sat down and i played it button mashing on normal mode against the computer and i was able to get pretty far with a a strange team of modok wolverine and deadpool and i was able to get on my first sitting just button mashing all the way up to where i was fighting galactus modok's actually a pretty good character you know you gotta say i uh didn't necessarily expect that i kind of wondered how the hover chair bound Modoc would be in the game. He's actually, he can be tough, but when I got online, my button mashing skills were just schooled. I was just taken down. There were a couple games where I didn't get a hit in. They'd be doing like these 5x combos. They'd punch me once, throw me up in the air, and by the time I hit the ground, I was KO'd. <laughs> So, if you're playing against simple mode, yes, a button masher could challenge a skilled player. I never went into the simple mode, and as it is, I'm kind of spending quite a bit of time in mission area just trying to teach myself some of these combos, because I'm also feeling like an old man. (laughs) It's like, I used to be good at Street Fighter 2, and I know the moves. If there was a move in Street Fighter 2 
the original Super NES one, I know it. Down to forward to make Dalsium shoot the fireball, I will try it with every character in this game to see if it does something. Or <laughs> roll backwards and try something. Or I try all of the Street Fighter 2 combos that I have in muscle memory, but it, it's not enough. And I'm going to be a little sacrilegious, though, and say that I don't think this game's for me. <laughs> I love fighting games. I have a Super Nintendo, and I play Street Fighter 2 on it a lot. It is so much fun. And when I got Xbox Live, one of the first games I downloaded for it was Street Fighter 2. And I'm not a button masher. I actually use strategy, and I'm okay at it. But something happened between Street Fighter 2 in 1992 and Marvel vs. Capcom 2 in the 90s. In anticipation of Marvel vs. Capcom 3, I went out and picked up Marvel vs. Capcom 2 for the Xbox 360 downloadable. I think it may have happened when Street Fighter went to Turbo. But it's so fast-paced and so twitchy and so everything. And all these people are coming out of everywhere and it feels like I'm the victim of a gangbang at times. I think you nailed it on the head right there. It's not even the speed so much of it that gets me. It's the tag-in attack. You know, it's like you think you're about ready to block or hit the person in front of you. And before you know it, She-Hulk's popping off the side of the screen with a special move. It's like, what happened? You know, it's like that that's something that I I'm not used to. And it's definitely not a trope from the Street Fighter two days, you know. So that to me is the biggest problem for my fighting style. It's like I'm I'm ready to fight the guy on the screen. And the next thing I know, I'm getting attacked out of nowhere. Then that guy's gone. And I don't even realize who I'm fighting anymore. But like I said, maybe it's maybe I'm just becoming an old man. Or maybe I just wasn't as good at Street Fighter as I thought I was back in the day because there was no online to play against other people against. So See, it was the game of my dorm room, though. And playing as Dalsium, of all things, I was like the number one guy in our dorm. And then I, I went up against the number one guy of another dorm, and he did school me. But, so I was at least number two of the people I knew, though. So I felt like I was pretty good, but I was, you know, quite a bit younger. Now I'm playing this, and it's just this game is so hyper that I'm, I don't feel able to get my bearings based off of the maybe 10 hours I've played since I got it. And I'm just, I'm not loving it to the point where I feel like, honestly, going into the mission mode and trying to figure out how to do all these combos has felt like I'm training for a real fight in that there's no fun and it's a lot of homework, and I'm trying to decide if this game is worth it. <laughs> No, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. I feel like I still have fun with it, and it's it's fun to pick up and play, you know, against somebody in the room with you, or maybe just, you know, fight through the mission a little bit. But I don't feel like I have a grasp on it, is the problem. You know, going back to Street Fighter 2 or even, you know, Mortal Kombat days, I feel like I could pick that up and it's like, okay, I know if I do this, I'm going to freeze that guy. I know if I do this, this is going to happen. But with this, it's like, I think if I go back and push this up and I slide, this might happen. Oh, no, wait, <laughs> that's not what happened. Somebody jumped on the screen from my team. Okay. You know, it's like I don't have a grasp. Even though I have tried to figure out all the moves, I think I got them down. But the minute all that action starts going on, all that stuff flies out of my head. And I'm just mashing buttons. <laughs> now, when we got our PlayStation 1, Marjorie and I used to play the original X-Men versus Street Fighter a lot. And we had a lot of fun with that. It was a really fun game. It was one-on-one, -on -one, not three-on-three. 
and we just really enjoyed it. And what I must say I like about this is there are a lot of callbacks to those earlier ones. All Wolverine's special moves are right out of X-Men vs. Street Fighter, and he even says, like, the same thing, Berserker Barrage! Berserker Barrage! You know, all of the phrases are the same. There's a lot of callbacks to the previous X-Men and Street Fighter games here that I do really, I appreciate them putting in those touches. Yeah, right down to, like, even the thing that I get into is all the alternate costumes. Like, whenever I pop these games in, the first thing I do is try to figure out what that hidden alternate button costume is, you know, or where the first time you're playing somebody who's like, oh, where did you get the orange Deadpool? It's like, oh, you got to push this button, you know? So that that's kind of my deal. I always try to find those right away. And I was reading an article on Marvel.com, and they were talking about how they were trying to be as accurate as possible to at least comics and appearances in other media with these alternate costumes and sometimes if there wasn't another you know source for say you know dr doom they'd go back and just do a throwback one from the original capcom versus marvel 2 they did it with uh, hulk that's where they got the aqua blue hulk <laughs> you know worrying about that <laughs> so there's a neat little article over there if you're into the alternate costumes and some of the inspiration from where they came from on on quite a few of them it's inspired me to, to start customizing some of these. I really want to make an orange Deadpool. I thought that costume was pretty cool, and the all-red Captain America looked pretty neat. Nifty. I may have to uh, have you send me your your rejects. I'll pick them up <laughs> from you. <laughs> there you go. I mean, it would be a cool line for, for Hasbro to do, too. You know, I mean, they're just, I mean, repaints, why not? Just throw the Capcom versus Marvel logo on some cards and maybe make my con exclusive somewhere. But, you know, maybe just a set of four of them would be cool. I'm laughing because I'm looking at that Marvel article and it says, hey kids, it's the Shumagorath you know and love from that one comic he was in that one time. (laughs) And here he is from that other comic he was in that one time. (laughs) In pink. (laughs) Yeah, I do like the alternate costumes. Playing you was very frustrating because I was more interested in how cool like Wolverine looks in red and blue than what fighting moves you were using. It was very distracting. <laughs> it can get distracting. But I was I was pretty excited to find out that there's already some downloadable content. And yes, I'm the sucker who will pay five bucks for three outfits. It's going to be free sometime down the line. Ouch! But hey, you know what? A lot of these are just color changes. I feel like on these three, they actually did some new character models a little bit because you got a new Thor, which is Thor in his classic outfit, which looks slightly different than the other three Thors in the game. Then you got Iron Patriot, which is pretty darn cool. And that one definitely has new shoulders on it. And then finally, you got a Steve Rogers Captain America, which doesn't have a cowl on or anything. So that's definitely got at least a new head on it on top of a new rendering on it. So for a guy like me, I think it's pretty cool and worth five bucks. Now, I didn't see you pull any of these out when we were playing, did I? Oh, yeah. Oh, Iron Patriot and Classic Thor. (laughs) Didn't help me at all. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I look good doing it. <laughs> but I do have a point of comparison here. I recently, as I said, played Street Fighter 2. And on the Sega Genesis, I, I have in, in my own little Marvelicious arcade, I have all of these old game systems. And I pulled out the original Mortal Kombat. And, you know, it was always Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat back then. It was like Coke or Pepsi, Beatles or Stones. Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter, right? Mm-hmm. And I pulled out the original Mortal Kombat for the Genesis with its fatalities. And it was so slow and everything. I'm like, wow, I had just played Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter is my team. I'm Team Street Fighter. I'm not Team Mortal Kombat. In in 15 years, that changed, though. 
I'll stand by that on those older systems. But I also picked up DC. Uh, don't shoot me for talking about the other team here, but I picked up DC versus Mortal Kombat. And that is a really, really fun fighting game. It's one-on-one. -on -one. I felt like I got a handle on it. I was able to unlock some moves just accidentally and teach myself some others and play against some friends of mine who I had over. And it's three-dimensional. I gave Marvel vs. Capcom props in theory for kind of going back to the old school. It's just a side-scroller. There's no third dimension. But the way DC versus Mortal Kombat pulled it off, the third dimension was so much fun and there's special moves where you actually go through the ground or off the top of a building and down to the street. I liked that game. I liked the pace and I liked that feel a lot more than I liked this. That sounds more my speed to be honest with you. One on one. <laughs> But I will completely say it's a matter of aesthetic. And like we say with Kotobukiya, I really think this game is big among the Asian population. I think that that is really who this is hitting hard. And it's it's not quite for me, which is, you know, middle America white boy. <laughs> I mean, I still do appreciate the old schoolness of it. I mean, at the end of the day, it is, like you said, a side-scroller fighter. You know, it might just be on steroids and jacked up and everything's exploding every time you hit the ground but at its core it is just a button mashing fighter that you can toss in and play against your buddies for a few minutes before you move on to something else and i, I mean what more can you expect from this title that's exactly what it's supposed to be you know it is and i kind of when i was playing marvel versus capcom 2 and it's craziness started to get to kind of great on me a little i i was afraid that going into marvel versus capcom 3 would be more of the same but that's what this is, is more of the same. And I can say, if you like Marvel vs. Capcom 2, you will really like Marvel vs. Capcom 3. And if you don't, there's not a lot new here to bring in. And now, Justin, you kind of hinted at it. We said we'd reveal at the end, Justin versus Arnie, the fate of two hosts, who the winner is. And shockingly, because I really sat down expecting my butt to be handed to me, especially after we talked and you talked about how, you know, your kid was beating Galactus. Well, it was a tight night. It really was. But I won eight to five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There will be rematches and I will win eventually. <laughs> I got to pull out Shumagorath on you now. <laughs> only if you use the pink version. That's the only way I'll allow that. <laughs> the one thing that I feel like frustrates me about this game that I feel like I know Street Fighter well enough that I can pull off those moves but with this game even if I try to pull off the moves you're already over there kicking me in the kneecaps while I'm trying to get my Hayaruken out you know so I'm halfway dead before I can even pull a move so then it just becomes button mashing you know, it felt like I, I read a Penny Arcade cartoon strip, and if there's something really cool going on on the screen, chances are I didn't make that happen. That's kind of how <laughs> I felt when I was fighting you, because you do your Harushin, and I don't know what I'd do, but I'd punch you in the air, and then all three of my guys would come in and get turns kicking you in the face. And I'm like, if I could have chosen to do that, I would feel so awesome at this moment that I could go up and shake Chris Hemsworth's hand. But I have no clue how this happened, so I'm still a girly mom. <laughs> 
Uh, I think that's part of the allure of the game is it's like even even if you had been playing this game for months and I had never touched it, I still feel like any given day we could go back and forth and just trade jabs, you know? Yeah, I mean, you were calling me the comeback kid because what happened is we'd start and you'd like with one of your guys take out two of mine and then I'm like on my last stand and now my one last guy has to kick all of your asses and it does. <laughs> yeah, one last guy with like quarter health left. <laughs> Next thing I know, oh, there goes my Wolverine. Oh, there goes Deadpool. Okay, great. Let's see if I can finish you off. Nope. <laughs> but I came into bed with Marjorie, who was asleep at this point. She goes, how'd the night go? I go, I won, but I lost. And she's like, how'd that happen? I go, well, I won, you know, 8 out of 13, but I ended on a loss. <laughs> so it <laughs> ruined it. It robbed the whole thing. It was like... <laughs> I took my ball and I went home. I was being a sore loser. <laughs> I tried not to be a sore winner because I couldn't be like, oh, one more. <laughs> I couldn't do that and then be like, we can only end when I win. <laughs> yeah, that could have gone on for hours and hours. I bet I can beat both of you guys. I always beat Arnie at fighting games. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Any of our listeners who would like to kick my butt in Marvel vs. Capcom 3, my username is Carvalos. Send me a friend request. That's C-A-R-V-A-L-H-O-S. Send me a friend request. I'll accept. And then it's on. Yeah. And you can send me a friend request, too. I'm just cozy. That's J-U-S-T-K-O-Z-Y. And I have to warn you right now, sometimes you might be playing my 16-year-old son. So if you're getting your butt beat, it's probably a pretty good chance you're playing against Tyler. We need a sequel, Tyler versus Arnie. The- Next time, I'm going to wear the headset and let him play. <laughs> that way, <laughs> you think I'm beating you. But if you can't get enough Marvel vs. Capcom 3, we have Jerry back with us with a timely review looking back at action figures based on this video game franchise. Let's turn back the clock for Timely Reviews. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second installment of my Timely Reviews. I'm Jerry, and I hope everyone has been a good Marvel fan by going out and getting their copy of Marvel vs. Capcom 3 for Xbox or PlayStation. Actually, to be honest, I haven't played mine, because I was going to wait and ask for this game for my birthday in May, but my wife pulled a fast one on me for Valentine's Day. I got an email at work on February 14th telling me that I had a $10 e-gift card at Walmart.com. Now this came out of nowhere, but I quickly put two and two together. My wife pre-ordered the game for me for delivery the next two to three weeks. Now that's an awesome wife. And yes, I got her something too. Fortunately, two to three weeks only took three to four days, but sadly it came while I was sick in bed this past weekend. But hey, enough of my problems. You know, 1992 was the start of two great franchises for me. It was when I got a Super Nintendo along with the game Street Fighter 2. It was my most played game. I even played it more than Super Mario World. Then the fall of 1992 saw the release of X-Men the Animated Series on Fox. So when the X-Men and Street Fighter universes started to merge, I was all over it. I remember rushing to my local Target, which wasn't so local back then, in 1998 to get my copy of X-Men vs. Street Fighter for PlayStation 1. In fact, now that I think about it, it was just weeks after my wife bought me a PlayStation 1 for my college graduation. Funny how this stuff comes full circle. But anyway, I recall actually not liking the game too much since it was so frustratingly difficult. I beat the game one time and never played it again. But nonetheless, PlayStation 1 played host to a slew of titles from this combined universe. They had X-Men Children of the Atom, the aforementioned X-Men vs. Street Fighter, Marvel Super Heroes, Marvel vs. Street Fighter, and Marvel vs. Capcom Clash of the Superheroes. 
Most of these games are very collectible today and command anywhere from $40 to $70 in good shape with game case and insert. I was kind of hoping that the release of Marvel vs. Capcom 2 on Xbox Arcade and PlayStation Network, as well as the recent release of Marvel vs. Capcom 3, would have lightened the demand for these games, but that didn't seem to be the case. In fact, it seems to actually have gotten worse, as people apparently are thinking they can go back and get a complete set of all these Marvel and Capcom games. Now, I actually got rid of my X-Men vs. Street Fighter game when I sold my PlayStation 1, but never owned nor played any of the other ones, because quite frankly, the PlayStation 1 just didn't seem to have the horsepower to make these games fun for me. Probably not the best move. Now, I'm quite proud of my Street Fighter game collection, but really can't see shelling out the kind of money for games that I won't likely ever play. Now, I think that might actually be a fun topic for a future timely review, but this time, I'm going to talk about a series of Toy Biz action figures that were released to correspond with the PlayStation releases of X-Men vs. Street Fighter and Marvel vs. Capcom. In 1998, Toy Biz released two waves of figure two-packs called X-Men vs. Street Fighter. By 1998, the main X-Men characters had all had a few upgrades along the way, so Toy Biz had plenty to work with. And at this time, we hadn't really gotten any cool Street Fighter figures in the U.S. The ultra-lame 1993 G.I. Joe 3 and 3 quarter inch figures was pretty much all we had. Now don't get me wrong, I bought them up, even those silly Jean-Claude Van Damme movie figures, but they weren't all that the Street Fighter figures could have been. Now as an aside, I gotta admit, it was... Kind of cool that a few years later, Hasbro made Mortal Kombat figures based on the Joe body design. I had some fun combining those universes. But the Toy Biz figures offered us a great set of Street Fighter figures and new decos on old X-Men favorites. Wave 1 had four sets. The first was Cyclops vs. M. Bison. Cyclops was repainted from the Monster Armor Cyclops and also included a bomber jacket. Bison was a brand new figure and had a very impressive soft goods cape. The second set was Sabretooth vs. Ken. Sabretooth was from the Sabretooth 2 mold of 1993 with an all-new paint scheme. The head and the face was re-sculpted slightly, and bright colors certainly gave Sabretooth that video gamey look. The third set was Magneto vs. Ryu. Magneto was actually a repaint and a new head sculpt for the Magneto 2 figure from 1993. It's kind of a bizarre choice as this was an oddly muscular and slim version of Magneto, but perhaps that was exactly what they're going for for that video game look. I would have preferred a reissue of the Age of Apocalypse Magneto with a new head that lacked the ponytail, but such as it is. Now, Ryu and Ken, as you imagine, are basically the same figure with different color soft good Gs, but really are the best figures of these characters I've seen. Ryu and Ken do have different hands and fists, and of course different heads. Both have a built-in lever in the back to activate an up-and-down motion on their right arms. Shouruken! The last set from this wave is the Wolverine Akuma 2-pack. Wolverine is heavily repurposed from a Savage Land Wolverine figure from years previous with a brand new head sculpt that heavily exaggerates those black ears on the mask. Again, perfect for such a stylized video game. Akuma is basically the Ryu figure with a new head and an additional accessory. Akuma's robe, though, is more cloth-like than Ryu and Ken's, which is more of a felt material. Now, Series 2 gave us four new packs along with two Round 2 repaint sets. The first set was Apocalypse vs. Dalsum. Now this is the set that got me into collecting these figures, and the fact that Toys R Us always seem to have them on sale. Apocalypse was taken from Apocalypse 2 from 1993 with a re-sculpted head and a much darker paint scheme. Apocalypse 2 is my favorite X-Men figure, and even though I don't like this color scheme much, I love the fact that they use this mold. Now although Dalsum is hardly one of my favorite Street Fighter characters, this particular action figure is a great depiction of the gangly fire breather. The next set is Gambit vs. Cammy. Gambit is taken from the light-up classic X-Men figure of 1996, which was the first decent Gambit figure we ever saw. 
This one does not have the light-up feature, but still includes a staff and some cards for him to hold. The light-up switch on his back was replaced with a lever to move his arm up and down. Now, Cammy is not a great figure, really, especially since her costume colors are not the typical Cammy outfit you think of from Super Street Fighter 2, but it does include a soft goods cloak. Now, this is the first pack that kind of messes with the scale here. Cammy seems oddly tall compared to Mr. LeBeau. Seems like she's too bulky compared to the Cajun. However, this isn't done nearly as bad as in the next pack, which is Chun-Li and Juggernaut. Juggernaut is also based on the figure from that classics light-up weapons line that Gambit is from. Now, the big difference with Juggernaut is that he had a removable helmet in that line, and in this line, he doesn't. Now, if you're familiar with this figure, you know it's odd because the arms are the right scale, and yet nothing else is. The arm is easily as long as Chun-Li, which would make sense, but Juggernaut himself is shorter than she is. Now, Chun-Li seems to be a good figure of decent scale, not as bulky as the Kami, but this Juggernaut is a big miss. Considering how big Juggernaut is on screen for one of these X-Men Capcom video games, it would have certainly been worth making a new Juggernaut for the line. Now, the last set is probably the gem, Rogue vs. Zangief. Rogue is a brand new sculpt, and it nails an awesome anime look for Rogue. Her best figure definitely to this point. Zangief has done pretty well, too. He's big and menacing. His legs should probably be a little bit longer to represent the character better, but a really good first shot, and comes with his trademark red cape. Now, in addition, they made two repaint sets. One was a silver Juggernaut versus a gray-blue Dalsum, and the other one was a blue-coat Gambit versus a green Deco Zangief. Nothing special about these sets. In fact, they're actually pretty awkward. I'm not really sure why they went this route versus taking some of the more popular people like a, a Wolverine or a Ken or somebody like that and trying to reissue them from the first wave. Now, each pack included a backdrop and a stand that you could use for the one-on-one -on -one fight for each stage. Now, a year later, 1999, Toy Biz released four Marvel vs. Capcom Clash of the Superhero sets. These are very, very cool, especially on the Capcom side. The first set was Captain America vs. Morgan. Captain America has a remolded head with some nice bright colors, but the treat on him is that he comes with just a regular shield. No spring-loaded junk on this guy, it just clips to his wrist. Looks really nice. Now, I like it when they don't try to over-gimmick the shield. Now, the second set is Spider-Man vs. Strider. Now, this Spider-Man comes from the Web Trap line from just about a year or two previous, and it represents one of my favorite Spider-Man sculpts from this era. I was thrilled that they chose it for this two-pack, and I think it's a really nice-looking Spider-Man for a video game set. The only difference between these two Spider-Man figures is that they appeared to do a new head for this two-pack, which I think actually makes it look a lot nicer. The third set was a very bizarre-looking Venom with green neon ooze on his teeth, along with a Captain Commando. I mean, come on, where else could you get a Captain Commando and Strider in action figure form? This line is great. Now, the last set features the most unique figure, Mega Man, who comes packaged with War Machine. War Machine is a combination of War Machine 1 and War Machine 2 from the Iron Man animated series line. Now, I don't know this for a fact, but the head actually seems to be an Iron Man head that is just painted silver, but with all those armored figures they made during those years, it's, it's hard for me to tell, given that I sold off all my Iron Man figures 10 years ago. Now, the Mega Man figure is very cool. He's in proper scale to War Machine, and although I've never held one loose, it would appear that his elbow and knee joints would be very easy to loosen up as they are attached to very large fists and feet, although the left fist is actually a spring-loaded rocket launcher. In addition, he comes with snap-on armor to show weapons coming out of him. This is a great figure. Again, each set comes with a backdrop and a stand. The War Machine and Mega Man set seems to be the highest premium price pack from all of these, but you should be able to easy enough find any of them for under $30 if you look hard enough. 
Many retailers try to sell these for $60 to $70 a pack, as they are quite desirable nowadays, but being savvy on eBay will save you lots of cash. Many of the X-Men vs. Street Fighter figures, for instance, can be had for just $15 or so. Well, I hope you enjoyed this stroll down memory lane with a most unique subset of Toy Biz Marvel action figures. Now, in the cases of Captain America, War Machine, Spider-Man, Rogue, and a few others, I think you may see the best versions of these figures for this time frame at this scale. And compared to what two packs of figures cost to retail these days, these figures are kind of a bargain, so go check them out. And don't worry, I didn't forget part two of my look at translucent figures. I just wanted to talk this timely topic with the release of Marvel vs. Capcom 3, but I'll be back next time to talk about the Human Surfer and the Invisible Spider. See you then. Now back to Marvelicious. Thank you, Jerry. I gotta say, your segment got me hyped, and I was at my local comic book store, and I picked up an X-Men vs. Street Fighter 2-pack. And I, I didn't just pick it up because it was X-Men vs. Street Fighter, but it has a really kickin' Berserker Barrage Wolverine, and then Fierce Punching Action Akuma. And they had it for 12 bucks. Wow. That's a good price. I thought we were just randomly in the comic book store and you saw those figures and you got excited about them. I had no idea that Jerry planted that seed in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> but you thought it was a cool looking Wolverine, too. Oh, I did. <laughs> Margie, I think you're going to find that Jerry is as much an enabler as the rest of us. <laughs> I've known Jerry for a few years. Yes, I'm aware of that. <laughs> I'm saying with the Marvel stuff, though, he's... He's slowly revealing himself week after week with these segments. <laughs> but yeah, you squeeze Wolverine's legs together and you get Berserker Barrage. And I, I, it, a mint on card package for $12, I could not resist. And it actually has opened the door. Jerry, thank you. My comic book store just recently brought in a whole boatload of older Toy Biz figures from like their line from the early 90s and so we'll be talking about some other purchases i made on a future marvelicious toys nice and but, i look forward to him getting back to the translucent figures <laughs> <laughs> now over at our sister podcast now playing at which you can find it now playing podcast.com we've just started a new movie retrospective series that's going to span oh 15 months leading up to the avengers and we're doing all of the marvel universe movies and where do we start? But where it started, Howard the Duck. <laughs> All right. The very first Marvel comic hero on the big screen was Howard the Duck. Well, for that review, I read the novelization of Howard the Duck, which I owned as a kid. And I wanted to share with listeners the thought on this long out of print collectible book that I read for the fifth time. I want to state going in a number of biases here. First, despite its highly derided reputation, I was a big fan of Howard the Duck when it came out in the 80s. I pre-ordered Howard the Duck on DVD, and if you want to know my thoughts on Howard the Duck the movie, if it has held up over the past 25 years, head over to NowPlayingPodcast.com, where Stuart Jacob and I have done a very thorough review of that film. But as a fan of Howard the Duck, I did purchase the Howard the Duck novelization back in 1986. Twice, actually, as I bought a copy on a teenage trip to the mall, but lost it while shopping at other stores and had to buy a second copy. As this book is obviously long out of print, I hit Amazon.com and got a used copy in great condition for the princely sum of $1. Now, as I review this book, you may be wondering why I'm reviewing it on Marvelicious Toys and not Books and Nachos, the book review podcast I sometimes host. The main reason is that I think this novel exists now only as a collectible. 
On Books and Nachos, we try to review fiction that would have a broad interest. I doubt if anyone's going to hear a review of the novel of Howard the Duck and go, Ooh, I should order that now. Or, oh, I was going to order that, but now I won't. This novel is a collectible for Howard the Duck fans primarily, and I'm willing to bet few that order this book online will actually go through the trouble of reading it. But I did go through that trouble, and I thought I would share my thoughts with other Marvel collectors. Howard the Duck is a novel by Ellis Weiner, who I was unfamiliar with, but Wikipedia refers to him as an author and humorist with a fairly sizable resume, having had articles in The New Yorker, The New York Times Magazine, Spy Magazine, and he was an editor for National Lampoon. He also has had a number of books published, such as Yiddish with Dick and Jane, and a book chronicling the making of The Great Muppet Caper. Through my research, I learned one interesting fact. Wiener's first novel was National Lampoon's Dune, that's D-O-O-N, a parody of Frank Herbert's Dune, D-U-N-E. Now this shocked me, for while reading the novelization of Howard the Duck, which was Wiener's second novel, I felt sure it was written by a first-time novelist who would probably never go on to write anything again. Now, I do understand that being the author of Howard the Duck must be an unenviable position. Sure, when offered the job, you may jump at the chance to attach your name to the latest George Lucas blockbuster, and having had the opportunity to speak in person to the authors who novelized the first three Star Wars films, I'm willing to bet that Wiener took the job without ever having seen a script. That said, I cannot imagine what Wiener thought when he got the script and read it, or how he envisioned the final film would turn out. What is clear, though is that long before Hollywood and film audiences were let down by George Lucas's latest cinematic venture, Ellis did not like Howard the Duck. And yet, despite not liking the material, Wiener had to write a novel based on it. Still, I have to give Wiener credit because it seems to me that he tried, at least in the beginning. Sticking to his humorous roots, it seems that Wiener tried to write a satire in the spirit of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's a tone that actually persists throughout the novel, but rarely as strongly as it is in the first chapters where the book has not one but two narrators. One, the omniscient, godlike type of narrator speaking in grand terms, and then another more down-to-earth narrator. But the two narrators are arguing about what to say and how to say it. If you can't envision what such a chapter would look like, here's a reading of the first few pages from Wiener's novel. And joining me as the voice of the grandiose narrator is Marvelicious Toys announcer... Brock. The universe. A boiling chaos of matter and energy, where billions and billions... Hold it. Boiling chaos, billions and billions? The Bill of Fair announces Howard the Duck and you're playing Carl Sagan? Who let you on this page? Who is this? Who are you? I am the voice of the greater cosmological context. You mean God. Well... Not to be immodest, but I am the voice that speaks on behalf of the infinite. The voice that says, for the ages, that which cannot be said. Uh-huh, and you? It is I whose pear-shaped tones encompass galaxies. I who invoke the extremities of cosmic boundlessness. Omniscient I it is who ushers puny stupid you into the awesome domain of eternity. Be nice. Listen and learn of the destiny of worlds. Hear and grasp the ultimate acts of creation and destruction. Attend and admire the voice that launched a thousand identical documentaries about Orville and Wilbur, Goddard and Von Braun, Sputnik and Schmutnik, and the miracle of flight. Are you the guy who says things like, Ever since he first gazed in wonder towards the heavens. Man has yearned to fly. 
Yes, I it is, who says stuff as like that. I thought you sounded familiar. I am more than familiar. I am ubiquitous. Innumerable are the second-rate science fiction stories told in voices aping mine. Uncountable the SF movies introed or outroed by facsimiles of me. No astronomy show on television gets aired without I say so. Which brings us at last to Howard the Duck. I am that voice, that voice of voices, of which Rod Serling's. You will lock this door with the key of imagination. And William Shatner's Space, the final frontier. And that guy on the outer limits. There is nothing wrong with your television set. Are but feeble imitations. All right, all right, I'm convinced you're God. You flatter me, but very well, let it be so. I am God. Fine, but I'm the narrator, so shut up and let's get started. Howard, a duck on a world of ducks, got home from one afternoon, beat. The universe. A boiling chaos of matter and energy, where billions and billions of stars rage in ceaseless, silent fury. Within this throbbing electromagnetic pandemonium, along that real but non-existent border between nothingness and somethingness, time itself is unleashed. Relentless. Mysterious. He threw his briefcase on the couch and trooped off into the kitchen for a beer. The place was a disaster. Unwashed dishes in the sink. Yesterday's leftover, let canard gourmet frozen vegetable medley in a light cream sauce still in the pot. A half-empty bag of mallard mars on the table. Howard, from duckling hood, hectored by his mother-to-be-neat, had been a slob ever since leaving the nest. He barely noticed the mess. Yes. Unstoppable time flowing through this half-empty bag of electro... This? I'll start again. The universe. Throughout the staggering infinitude of space-time, where countless galaxies careen at unimaginable velocities through an airless, frigid void, matter combines with energy to form life. The miracle of life. Amoebas, beagles, everything. And from life itself, the multiple... Howard was not only tired, he was irritable, and assailed by that almost nauseating sense of futility and waste that, sooner or later, descends on almost everyone the moment they perceive, if only for a second, how pointless and dumb their jobs really are. With that passage, I have to say it's ambitious of Wiener to try such a tact with Howard the Duck. I never found it funny, but I did respect that he was trying something different. Unfortunately, I can only call this writing different, not original, as it is so obvious an aping of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. While we do lose the grandiose narrator soon after that chapter, Ellis's strange tone of the book continues to ape Douglas Adams. The book is full of ironic interludes and asides, all the while telling you the story of Howard the Duck. When I found myself reading a four-page description of the Nexus of Sonobus, Home of the Dark Overlords, written as a mid-80s condominium ad, I knew I was in trouble. Likewise, another long interlude where Tim Robbins' character of Phil Blumbert discusses why he wears what he wears, wears thin. All of these side stories stop the narrative cold, completely removing us from the storyline of Howard on Earth. And that would be well and good if they were funny or interesting, but they aren't funny in the least. Nor is anything else in the book funny. And this is from someone who actually finds some humor in the movie. I take that back, actually. There's one thing in this novel that's amusing, and it's how transparently the novel reveals Wiener's disillusionment with this story. The book starts off like an audience member watching the movie, full of hope, excitement, duck puns. 
In fact, I thought it would be nice if I could compile a list of all the duck references and puns to compile and put on the web to add to the worldwide knowledge base. But by the end of the fourth page, I'd stopped. There were so many duck puns, I was spending more time writing than reading. But as the novel continues, the duck puns start to fade and the book takes on a different tone. In its prose, Wiener starts to show outright hostility towards the source material, referring to the story of Howard the Duck as a ripoff of Ghostbusters, though Wiener also takes a swipe of Ghostbusters, saying it is ostensibly a comedy. Also, rather than trying to find explanations for some of the film's more unlikely events, Wiener calls them out in his writing. He actually puts in his prose such questions as, Why is there an ultralight aircraft in the parking lot of Joe Roma's Cajun Sushi? It seems rather improbable, doesn't it? But there it is. Or, why is there a smog inspection out on the highway instead of in town at a gas station? Who knows? It's just there. I can just envision Wiener writing, trying to make lemonade out of this script, and deciding to just plow through, not even showing any affection for the source material. He hates this movie as much as any 1986 movie critic, and he's going to make sure you know it through his writing. But to keep himself interested, Wiener also transforms his novel into a satire of 1980s America. Yuppies, corporate culture, the fashion, the music, none of it escapes his withering gaze. And he saves his most biting remarks for President Reagan, never mentioned by name, but referred to as a doddering old commander-in-chief whose nonsensical stories and affable attitude belie a dangerous weapons monger who will spend billions on war weapons, such as the neutron disintegrator, all in the name of national security. Truthfully, looking at it with 25 years of distance, Wiener's summation of the mid-80s America is spot on, and I did enjoy some of those passages as someone who grew up in the 80s. But a highly liberal deconstruction of 80s life isn't what I want in a novelization of Howard the Duck. Then again, what do I want in a novelization of Howard the Duck? Certainly, Wiener didn't want any novelization of Howard the Duck, but he'd been contracted and presumably paid to write it, so here we are. At the end of the novel, though, Wiener finally reveals his hand. All of these interludes, the extended sequences, the aping of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. At first, I thought he was just putting these segments in because he thought they were funny. But having finished the novel, I now think they were added for another reason. Wiener couldn't meet the contractually obligated minimum word count, so he went back in and added them. For proof of this, you need look no further than the last few pages of the novel. After the Dark Overlord has been defeated, Wiener writes a scene, not seen in the film, where the police chief comes in to survey the damage and talk to Beverly, Phil, and Howard. The police chief is in shock from what he sees there, and while trying to take it all in, he sends his deputy out for coffee. We then get a three-page section of dialogue, where the deputy takes the breakfast order of the characters there. This just continues on, as they debate donut types, and which newspaper is the best for the deputy to bring them back to read. And I read this, and it just goes on, and on, and I realized it wasn't there to be funny. It wasn't there to be a parody. It was there because Wiener had contracted for a certain number of words, and he couldn't fill them, so he just let flow the stream of consciousness as he tried to decide what to have for breakfast. Truthfully, as I finished this book, I was dumbfounded. That this is a professionally published novel. That an editor at Berkeley Books presumably got Wiener's manuscript, theoretically read it, and then agreed to send it to print? That's flabbergasting. Truthfully, I can state this is the worst book I've ever read that is professionally published. It has such contempt for its source material, for its readership, and for its own existence that it almost burns my fingers to touch. From reading it, I truly feel Ellis Wiener hates Howard the Duck, 
and he possibly also hates anyone who would buy a novelization of Howard the Duck. So in one respect, this book is a remarkable curiosity, a self-loathing object that even its creator believes shouldn't exist, but yet also an incredible waste of time and paper. I silently weep for the trees whose lives were cut short so that this abomination could be printed. Truthfully, a book I cannot recommend anyone read, but yet that I'm kind of glad I did, for no matter what I read in the future, I'll always be able to say, well, it wasn't as bad as Ellis Weiner's novelization of Howard the Duck. So that's my thoughts. If you want to buy that book, you can use the affiliate link to Amazon and get it for around a buck like I did. And you're spending too much. But that leads me into a new segment we have. Let's look into an alternate reality with What If They Made. We wanted to take a little moment each show to talk about a figure we think needs to be added to the current Marvel Universe line of figures. Marvel Legends has a long history, a lot of depth. Marvel Universe is a little bit newer, but it seems like, you know, counting the movie lines and everything else, we're not really getting the breadth that we'd like. Our first character for What If They Made, we think they need to make Howard the Duck. Don't include me in this. <laughs> I'm in just to see how they can articulate a little duck in three and three quarter scale, about half size. It's just going to be his arms, I bet. <laughs> but they're never going to do this. They made a Marvel Legends Howard the Duck. He came with a Silver Surfer figure, and I don't know why. Given that he premiered in an issue of Man Thing, wouldn't he have come with a Man Thing figure? I mean, is Silver Surfer transporting him to and from Duck World? I don't quite understand their relationship there. Yeah, that might be an investigative report for Jerry to do to find out what was going on in comic books at the time for why they felt like they needed to package those two together. Like maybe Man-Thing just doesn't have the pool <laughs> to get the Howard the Duck fans over the line. I don't know. All I see in common is they don't wear pants. <laughs> Howard the Duck wears pants. In the movie, not yeah. in the comic. They've made a Bowen statue of him. They've made a Marvel Legends of him. I think we need Howard represented. This year is the 25th anniversary of Howard the Duck. We need Howard the Duck. Here, here. And I hope it comes with a little teeny tiny condom replica. <laughs> <laughs> and then we need a Beverly in 90 figure. Oh, wait. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> is that Caroline in the city? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> So that is our show for this week. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate it if you go to iTunes and leave us a positive review. And yes, clicking the stars is nice. It helps. But really, just writing a couple of sentences goes a lot further to help bring in new listeners. So we just greatly appreciate it. There's a link to iTunes right from our homepage at MarveliciousToys.com. So until next time, true believers, make mine Marvelicious Toys. Thank you for listening to this episode of Marvelicious Toys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help our show by leaving a positive review for the show on iTunes. There's even more Marvelicious content at our website, MarveliciousToys.com. At the site, you can see pictures of the products we discussed, find checklists for Marvel toys, talk and trade with the Marvelicious forums, and much more. It's all at MarveliciousToys.com. We want to hear your thoughts on Marvel collectibles. You can leave reports of your latest toy finds as well as product reviews on our voicemail at 
Marvel 4. Or email an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at MarveliciousToys.com. Marvelicious Toys is produced and edited by Arnie Carvalho. Podcast enhancement by Barrett. Marvelicious website design by Jason. Graphic design by Justin. Announcements by Brock. The Marvelicious theme song, Bam Pow Kablam, is composed by Joe Harrison. See more of Joe's work at www.starwarsfanworks.com slash lionsmouth. If you also like Star Wars, Star Wars Collecting is covered weekly at our other podcast, Star Wars Action News, which you can find at swactionnews.com. Marvel Comics and all of the Marvel Multiverse contains are the intellectual property of Marvel Entertainment Incorporated, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. Marvelicious Toys is a production of Venganza Media Incorporated, copyright 2011, all rights reserved. The book is far worse because the author is actually now a well-known humorist. Ellis Weiner. Have either of you heard of Ellis Weiner? <laughs> no. <laughs> Are you prank phone calling me? <laughs> oh, boy. Every so often, I feel like we're doing the show with uh, Scott Bakula. Why? Because Justin says, oh boy, a lot. And that was Scott Bakula's tagline in Quantum Leap. He ended every episode saying, oh boy. Oh. <laughs> Bakula. Good God. <laughs> yeah. You need to follow us on Twitter at Marvelicious Toys. Marvelicious Toy. Twitter oh. truncates that S. Okay, there's only one Marvelicious Toy. And I'll be honest, it's a MODOK, but you know. <laughs> So you need to follow us on Twitter also. I'm going to slowly have an army of Odins for some reason. <laughs> you know, that's almost like a misspelling of a slogan, an army of Odin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I suppose you wanted me to just keep going. So it was nice and smooth, but I didn't do it. <laughs> Are we on the Revolt Tech Iron yep. Man? Is that what we're talking about? Okay. <laughs> and we have six minutes before Marjorie walks. Oh, okay, Marjorie, chill. Okay. Right. <laughs> Can you say yes instead of nodding? <laughs> Me? <laughs> Either one of you. You're both like, <laughs> we're like not you. doing a video. <laughs> Marjorie, go ahead. After five years, Marjorie, you'd think you'd know to put your phone on silent. And now two days in a row. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>